0: I'm Janet Roper, and you're listening to the Reawaken Right Relationship Podcast. Welcome to this place where we have conversations about creating, nurturing, and sustaining right relationship with all sentient beings. Hello there and happy new year. It is good to reconnect with you after taking the holiday break. So I'm glad to be here with you in 2019. And I hope that 2018 ended gently for you. And that 2019 is bringing you everything that you need. On today's podcast, we're talking about the difference between resolution and commitment. And yes, there is a difference. Sprinkled throughout this podcast, you're going to be hearing from different people on what their commitment is to the animals for 2019. And I'm hoping this will give you some ideas on making a commitment of your own. The other day, I was on Facebook, and I saw one of those memes um, that, you know, you just run across so often in your feed. And this one had one dog that was talking to another. And the first dog asked the second dog, what exactly is a New Year's resolution? And the second dog replied, it's a to-do list for the first week in January. Kind of hit me in the, the forehead between the eyes because, yeah, that's the way resolutions have usually been with me in the past. Does that resonate with you? As a matter of fact, it reminded me of when I was growing up, and I was probably about 13 years old or so. And every New Year's Day, uh, my dad would ask what my resolutions were. And I was really original at that time as a kid. My resolutions were always not to eat chocolates and to lose 15 pounds. And I don't know why it was always 15 pounds, but that seemed to be the magic number for years. And truth be told, Each year, I failed miserably at being able to stick to my resolutions. And that failure filled me with guilt and shame. After all, everyone else, or so it seemed to me at the time, and in hindsight, I know that's not true, but that's the way it seemed to me at the time. Everyone else could keep those resolutions. Why couldn't I? So, you know, looking back um, with 2020 vision and in hindsight, I realized it was because I was participating in wishful thinking in the sense that if I think it, if I think I will lose 15 pounds or not eat chocolate, it will come. And I didn't have a plan in place to help me achieve those resolutions. I was expected by my family, by my folks, and therefore I expected myself to achieve those goals through simple willpower. So let's cut to the chase here. What's the difference between resolutions and commitments? Resolutions are temporary with nothing in place to help us reach those changes that we want to make. In other words, they're lip service. We mouth our plan of action or our wishful thinking, um, but we fail to have a strategy in place that helps us to succeed and helps us to get to that goal of the resolution. Commitment, on the other hand, demands a course of action, and we have to have that action plan in place in order to reach our goal when it's a commitment. The commitment gives us the determination to maintain our resolve long enough after that first week in January where the resolution has just been, you know, on the to-do list. So commitment requires action and not just promises, And it's not enough to simply have a resolution. We need to create a plan of action that helps us create our goal and that keeps us accountable to reaching that goal. And now you're going to hear from Kim Carrier, who is sharing her commitment to animals and people for 2019. Kim is the founder of People and Pets Together, formerly known as the Pet Project. Founded in 2009, People and Pets Together assists families facing economic hardship by providing pet food to food shelves in the Minneapolis-St. Paul metropolitan area, by operating a pet food shelf in Minneapolis, which by the way is the first dedicated pet food shelf in Minnesota, with a veterinary assistance grant program and through additional programs that keep pets and families together.
1: It's a new year, and there are signs of hope, uh, but there are also challenges that lay ahead. And I think one of those challenges, um, it looks like, like is uh, the possibility of another recession. We have an average of 5 to 10 clients, new clients, at the food shelf per week. Um, That's Running about parallel to rising demand at human food shelves. And I'm committed to building more partnerships this year. Um, we've always been great at building partnerships with other organizations. Um, Minnesota's a great place to do that because so many people are interested in animals and their welfare. But my commitment this year is to reinforce and build new relationships that can help us help families stay together. Um, The reason we do this is because pets are family. I have said that for a long time, but it really was brought home to me with the death of my dog Stella in early December. Um, She was my soulmate, and I know that if I hadn't been able to be with her in her final days, if some tragedy had torn us apart, I wouldn't have any closure. I could never move on from that, and so we value the bond that people have with their pets, and we want to help maintain that. So um, some of the... Some of the steps we'll take this year are um, trying to do more fundraising, maybe hire more staff, or partner with a larger organization that's complementary to ours to sort of reinforce a holistic uh, view of pet care. And also, I mean, if you take care of people's pets, you're taking care of the people too i think one of the one of the things that our organization has always understood is that caring for the whole family means also caring for the pet
0: all righty let's delve into some straight talk about our relationship with animals in a perfect world We strive to cultivate reciprocal, respectful relationships with our animal kin, rather than ones that are based on power over another. Because we're all related and all creatures do better when all creatures do better, right? Sure, but we don't often succeed with that, and we sure don't live in a perfect world. In our own world today, and you guys know this, I know you know this, it's a given that everything is not coming up roses for our animal kin. So just imagining what the animals regularly encounter at the hands of humans can lead us to feeling helpless and, quite frankly, overwhelmed by shame and guilt. And even in our own households with our own animals, we're not always the paragons we think we might be. Case in point, the other day I was consulting with a colleague about my dog, Max, During the conversation, it came up that I have been infantilizing Max, and it's not something I was doing consciously or purposefully, and it's something that I'm certainly not proud of, But the truth is, Max has always been stuck in my mind as the darling four-year-old that I adopted. And in my mind's eye, I continue to see him. When he first got into the car, followed my other dog into the car, and my other dog, Emmy, hopped over the back seat to go into the way back. And Max tried to do that, and he got stuck over the back seat. He couldn't make it into the way back. But the vision of that adorable butt And his happily wagging tail is imprinted forever on my mind. Which brings us around to the word complicit. Now, I'm sure you guys know this, but according to the dictionary, complicit means choosing to be involved in an illegal or questionable act, especially with others, or having partnership or involvement in wrongdoing. Now, my interpretation of that, and I put it simply, is that complicit means being, at some level, responsible for something, even if I'm indirectly responsible. And i got to tell you, folks, that word makes me feel really uncomfortable, and it has taken me a while to finally realize why I was feeling uncomfortable. And that's because the word complicit puts the onus of responsibility right where it belongs, on me. And actually, it puts the onus of responsibility on you, too, and on each one of us, humans. I have often thoughtlessly and unconsciously assumed someone else would take care of things, resulting in the world becoming a better place for the animals and by extension for me, became a better place for me because I didn't have to do anything because somebody else was doing it, right? Well, if that's not faulty logic, I don't know what is. So in grappling with the word complicit and its effect on me, I came to realize that there is no other who is going to make those necessary changes. If I want to see these changes made, it's up to me to make them. And by not taking a proactive stance and discreetly acquiescing to the happenings of the world, I am directly complicit in the creation of this world. A world where animal, where our animal kin are often second, third, and even fourth-class citizens, even in our own homes. So when we start thinking about being complicit in the world that we are co-creating for our animal kin, man, that can just leave us overwhelmed by shame and guilt, right? We can become paralyzed and almost like we can't take any kind of positive action because everything seems to be So incredibly much for us to do, so incredibly big. So I've got some good news for you. Yay, good news, okay? It's good to know that when caring for animals, we don't have to jump off the cliff to always do more, right? We don't always have to do one better. We don't always have to give that extra dollar. We don't always have to do this, that, or the other. We only need to show up consistently where we are. So in caring for animals, we don't have to travel to Africa, Unless, you know, that's what you want to do. And unless that's your job to do, you don't have to travel to Africa. And you don't even have to travel across town to make a difference for the animals. We don't need to keep donating more and more and more and more and more and more money for the animals, putting ourselves in debt or creating anxiety and guilt for ourselves because we don't have financial means to donate, right? We only need to look at what's right under our noses. And that, of course, can be the most difficult place to see what's right under our noses. So let me ask you this. What's happening with the animals in your own home, in your own backyard, in your own neighborhood? To make a difference in the lives of the animals, we only need to look at a place that is by us. Actually, we only need to look at the place where we have our feet planted and um, to look for a way that we can show up and show up consistently. Before we jump into ways that you can make a commitment to the animals for 2019, let's hear from Carmel, who is going to be talking about the commitment um, that she has made with her cats, and also let's hear from Danielle, who is talking about the commitment she has made to the animals on her farm.
2: Hi, it's Carmel from Soul Sisters Harmony, Melbourne, Australia, and I love this opportunity to talk about my commitment to um, animals in 2019, in particular the two um, female cats I live with, Scrumptious and Farrah. Um, as Janet put out this call for volunteers, I was going through a bit of a situation where, with a neighbour. He knocked on my door and told me my, my girls were in his yard chasing the native birds. And i I must say I've never seen my cats um, hunt at all, and I wanted to argue it with him, but knowing he was actually in the right, my cat should not have been on his land let alone if they were looking at the birds um, I can I just you know thanked him for the information came in and just didn't know what to do, how I was going to make this right. And that went on for, you know, a good half a day, just, you know, thinking about it, ruminating about it, what can I do, what, they're my girls, I know he doesn't like cats, all these things. And it dawned on me that i just stop and ask my girls what to do. So pretty quickly we got into just a little huddle and we just sitting quietly talking to my girls and we came up with a solution. They're quite happy to hang around the house until I can get um, a safe enclosure for them. To, so the, um, anything that they might want to chase after, that, that well, natural instinct, is just slowed down a bit or actually taken away, and they're okay with that because i will still be outside and looking around. I'm just so thrilled that I remembered to do that. And I I want to take that into 2019 with me. Um, How I'm going to keep that up is just a discipline to remember to talk to my animals. The way Janet Roper taught me, actually. Anyway, um, I hope you all have a wonderful new year. Bye.
3: Hi, Janet. It's Danielle. It's really great for me to take a moment in the flurry of resolutions and focus in on my relationships with animals and other beings whom I share my life with. So thanks for that opportunity. My family and I moved to a 40-acre farm last April and hence have many more animals in our lives day to day. This fills my heart up and also has increased my level of anxiety as I'm a person who tends to worry, sometimes obsessively, over the well-being of everyone who fills my days to overflowing. Sometimes I get paralyzed with worry and as in all aspects of my life, I realize that I need to go back to basics. So, my commitment to the animals and other beings on our farm this year is rather simple. Not necessarily easy, but simple. In 2019, I will focus on pausing and asking permission so that I can hear the needs and desires of the animals and other beings more clearly. Before I proceed in my interactions with them or with any actions that affect them, I believe this will also allow me to trust what I am hearing more wholly. I will also continue to seek a balance between providing for them and supporting them in health and safety while respecting their freedom to be their truest selves." This is a priority because it's necessary for our growth as a family and community. It's also a priority because I have a deep and lifelong desire to be in balance with other beings and do right by those who I share this life with and who give so much to me. I also believe that we cannot succeed in our goals for our farm and livelihood without acting in true partnership with the land and animals. So the initial steps I will take to accomplish these goals include one, Considering animals, land, and plants in all of our planning as part of a whole community. Two, before interacting with any of the animals, stopping and taking a breath to ground and connect and ask permission. Three, taking time each day to bathe in the environment of the farm without an agenda other than to be present. Four, expressing gratitude to the animals and land every day in whichever way feels most appropriate. And that's where I'll start. Thanks so much for the opportunity to share these goals and happy new year.
0: So here are some ways that you can help the animals right where your feet are planted. Like I said, right in your own yard, in your own neighborhood. You can feed the birds in your backyard. Another way to help the animals is to place water out for the birds and the wildlife. And always, you know, when you're putting out those water containers and the feeders. Keep them clean so that the birds don't get diseased, the animals don't get diseases. Feed the wildlife. You can plant a garden that is bee and bird friendly. If you've got an elderly neighbor, um, you can offer to walk their dog a couple of times a week. That can make a really honking big difference in the life of the, the neighbor, your elderly neighbor, and the dog. When you see a lost animal on social media, share it and when you're in um, if there's a lost animal in your neighborhood find out how you can help maybe it's putting up posters or it's searching or staying at the neighbor's house while they search you can also contact your local rehabber um, if you find an injured animal and what i'm going to do in the show notes is i'm going to place a link that gives uh, um, local rehabbers for each state Another way that you can help the animals is volunteer at your own local humane society or rescue. You can also teach children how to be in right relationship with animals. And finally, to help the animals, you can become a role model of right relationship with animals to the people who are near and dear to you in your life. So it's important to remember that to be in right relationship with our animal kin and to become uncomplicit. Uncomplicit, that's my word, but I like it and I'm sticking with it. To become uncomplicit in the way of the world, we don't need to be an 11 on a scale of 1 to 10. What makes a big difference for the animals is for each one of us to make your own commitment, to have an action plan behind the commitment so it doesn't turn into a resolution, and to show up consistently for what is yours to do. Now, I would love to hear from um, those of you who are listening what your commitment is. You can call into the show here and leave a message, and I would be delighted to hear that. So I guess it's only fair that I leave this episode telling you what my commitment is to the animals and to all sentient beings for 2019. And it's actually twofold. The first is to practice animism because animism highlights that we are all connected. And it also highlights that each sentient being has their own agency. And by agency, I mean authority. So when... I'm working with a plant or a tree or an animal, and their agency is not the same as mine. My goal is not to pull the human card and say, you're going to do this because I'm the human and I said so. But it's to listen to them and to their agency and to learn from them. The second part of my goal for the animals or my commitment to the animals and all sentient beings in 2019 is to talk to people about it, whether that is on my blog, whether that is here on the podcast, whether that is in real life, whether that is on social media. But to talk to people and help people realize that we are all related. We are all connected. And it's really important that we develop right relationship with all the sentient beings. So those are my two commitments to the sentient beings for 2019. Do you love what you're hearing on this podcast? I sure hope so. And if you are loving it, I ask that you show support by liking it and leaving a comment or review on whatever platform you are listening to this on. You can also show your support by sharing it with your friends and family. And I so appreciate your help. Thank you. I think you'll enjoy the podcast, Everyday Animism, that I co-host with two exceptional women. Kelly Harrow of soulfulintentarts.com, and Branda Schnabel of soulfulfocus.com. In this podcast, we explore all things animism, particularly how animism impacts everyday life. You can find it here at Anchor or on your favorite podcast platform. The 20 plus years that I have spent writing, speaking, podcasting, and sharing what I know with you have all been to support your life and relationship with the animals and the other nature beings you love so dearly. I share what I know and intuit freely, a gift from my heart and spirit to you and the sentient beings of the world. It's a body of work grounded in love and infinite respect for all life because we all do better when all creatures do better. If you find my work helpful, if an article or a podcast has inspired or informed you or expanded possibilities in your world, a donation would be deeply appreciated as a way to show your support. You can make a payment of any amount at PayPal.me backslash Janet Roper, or simply go to my website, www.JanetRoper.com, and at the top you will see a tab that says Make a Contribution, and you can make your contribution there. I thank you very much. Your contribution makes my work sustainable. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you have enjoyed hearing this, remember to subscribe to the podcast on Anchor, or iTunes. And if you would like to follow more of my work, please visit www.janetroper.com.